Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. We are in Ruth chapter number two, and the title of my message this evening is this, The Kind Kinsman. The Kind Kinsman. I want us to focus for the first time on Boaz here tonight as the kinsman redeemer of Ruth and his posture of kindness towards Ruth here in Ruth chapter number two. When I was driving up 95 yesterday, I had the opportunity to see many bumper stickers, many bumper stickers, most of which I would not repeat in your company. Uh, either behind this pulpit or anywhere else because I think too highly of you to be able to repeat those uh, bumper stickers. But there's one that I saw that I thought was very interesting and it said, humankind, be both. Humankind, be both. And I would say there's probably a lack of people acting like human beings and also a lack of kindness in the world today. And so I like that, the idea of humankind be both. But you know, I would say that kindness is not exactly one of the characteristics or qualities that people look at today and highly prize, much like meekness, one of those qualities that it's, well, if you're meek or if you are kind, you must be a weak person. If you are a kind person, you're going to get rolled over for the rest of your life because you have this posture of kindness. But yet I find that in the word of God, kindness is a characteristic that is highly prized in the characteristics of the believer. And the reason why is because it is one of the very characteristics of God himself. Aren't you glad that our God is a kind God? He is a kind God in his posture toward us. He is a kind God in the fact that he extends mercy and grace to us that we do not deserve. We serve a kind God. And because Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, is a picture of Christ in the book of Ruth, I hope that his kindness will shine through to us tonight and remind us of the kindness that the Lord gives to us, but also that the kindness we should have to the world, to one another, and even to those in our own homes that we should exhibit as we are showing one of the characteristics of Christ as we are people of kindness. Would you stand please for the reading of the word of God, Ruth chapter number two. For some reason, I'm in first Samuel right now. Uh, I'll be there in two or three years, but in the meantime, we're in Ruth chapter number two, and we'll begin in verse number four. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Remember, that was her God-given right. We saw this a few weeks ago from the books of Moses. Let me glean and gather after the reapers according or among the sheaves. So she came and she hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go not after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And 
Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground. And she said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And there will be some further conversation had between them, but we'll take our leave of the text here tonight. Pray and ask the Lord to bless, and then I'll have you be seated. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this night, and I thank you that we're able to be back again in your house, and thank you for the safety, even the power that we have right now to be able to have the air conditioning on, the lights on, to be able to record this message. I pray that it would be a blessing, that your Holy Spirit would work in the same way he worked this morning, Lord, in the way that only he can work, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Boaz, the soon-to-be kinsman redeemer of Ruth, is a type of Christ. And he's shown in these verses to be a kind and compassionate man. And I would submit to you tonight that his kindness and his compassion was not necessarily tied to the fact that I believe he would have found her to be a very beautiful woman. In fact, if you see that it says in verse 5, then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? I don't think he necessarily was saying, Whose damsel is this? Uh, I don't think that was necessarily his posture. Uh, some of you, it, uh, we, we're not recording, right? Uh, but uh, uh, I, I believe that, and listen, remember, this is a beautiful love story that's here. And while I'm certainly sure that he found her to be a beautiful person, both on the inside and on the outside, we find out here as the story continues. I believe that, first of all, he had this posture towards her because he was a kind man. Uh, it was not primarily because he was trying to curry favor with her. By the way, if he was kind to her simply to be able to have her become his own, that gives this a very dark undertone that this love story ought not to have because remember, this is a picture of God's love toward us. And so I don't believe that's the case at all. Well, yeah, pastor, he was kind to her because he was trying to get his way. No, I believe he was kind to her because as the kinsman redeemer, as that picture of Christ, he is extending his kindness to her. And it just so happens that out of this kindness, love will bloom, love will blossom. And of course, by the end of the book, we know uh, what the end result will be. But I see a couple characteristics of Boaz's kindness here in our text that I think are important for us to explore here tonight. And the first is this. I see that he was aware of people. He was aware of people. It says in our text that Boaz comes into his field from Bethlehem and he immediately does two things. Now, remember that we saw in our message a couple of weeks ago that Boaz was a man of wealth, of money, of power and of honor. Remember, we saw that he was wealthy. That's what the Bible says. But it's not necessarily just money, but it was also wealth of power and honor. He was an honorable man. But let's be honest. You and I have known people of wealth over the years. I would dare say most of us would have the testimony that we weren't the people of wealth over the years. But we've been in spheres. We've been in circles around people who have money. Have you ever been to the Cape? Hello. Uh, but uh, you've been around people that have money. You have people or that have means. And let's be honest with you, not all of those people love the little people. Not all those people look at you and I and think that we are the kind of people that they need to be hanging around with. Let's be honest, some of those kind of people don't want to be around us kind of people. But yet, I don't see that being the case for Boaz. Although he was a man of means, he was a man of wealth, he was a man of money and power and prestige, I see that he was aware of people. He wasn't in his own sphere. He wasn't his own strata. He wasn't just dealing with people of his own economic means, but he had great compassion and care 
even for his own workers. In fact, I see that here in verse number four when it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto his reapers, The Lord be with you. What is the first thing that they did? Does He extends the Lord's blessings to those who he works with. Now, that would have been in some ways a very customary greeting that would have taken place at that time. But it seems to me that that thought process, the Lord be with you, is something that would be heartfelt from Boaz, just from reading the rest of the book, from studying out the character of Boaz, and of course, knowing that he is a picture of Christ, of course, he would have extended the Lord's blessings to uh, these uh, people who work for him. Five times in the Word of God, the Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of persons. And you know what that phrase means, a respecter of persons, uh, giving honor to someone who has wealth simply because they have wealth, uh, giving disdain to someone who has no wealth simply because they have no wealth. Trying to judge a person's character by their income bracket. James chapter 2 tells us that is not a wise thing to do. We've mentioned this before, to give the seed of prominence to the one who has the money, to the one who has no means, to tell them, hey, get in the back, oh, sit under my footstool. We don't want you around here. Uh, listen, that is something that the world does. That's something that the world often does. But we, as the people of God, we should be able to look at other people, to, to see them and to show kindness even to others that would be, quote unquote, below us. If you're a boss and you're working with other people, uh, you want to treat those people with kindness. They are below you on the ladder, but they're not below you in their worth towards God. Uh, when you see someone uh, at the restaurant, when you see someone at the checkout line, uh, don't look at them as they are less than you because you have a better job than they do. No, they might be in a different place in life. Uh, they Listen, they may work at that checkout line their whole life, but that doesn't mean they're worked any less to God than you are, friend. Uh, they, they're, they're, you show them uh, kindness and you show them respect. And here is Boaz who uh, looks at her uh, and uh, looks at his men rather and, and has compassion towards them and extends to them this uh, kindness. James 2 verse 9 says, but if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So no, we don't look at the politicians and say, wow, you are really high. You, you are worth a lot. Well, <laughs> let's not do that for a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, we don't look at the great industrialists. We don't look at the great uh, wealthy people of this world and say, wow, you're uh, cut from a different cloth. No, 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 they're cut from the same cloth. Uh, they're made in the image of God and they also uh, need Jesus Christ, their savior. They are sinners in need of a savior. And we look them in that way, but we also treat them with kindness and respect, whether we think they're high, whether we think they're low. Listen, the foot is level at the cross. The, the ground is level at the cross, rather, and we ought to show kindness and respect. And let's be honest, a lot of us have been on the low end of the scale, and we appreciated it when people looked at us and treated us with respect when we were on that low end, because we knew we might be there, uh, but we knew who we are in Christ, and we knew who we were, and we appreciated when someone looked at us and took thought and care for us. How much more should we do that as Christians? How much more should we do that as believers? We Listen, you want to talk about richness. You have all the riches of Christ. They, they have been given to you through salvation. And so in an essence, everyone is below us that doesn't know Jesus Christ, their Savior. So we better look at them with kindness and compassion, knowing that that kindness and compassion can help lead them to the gospel message. Proverbs 28, 21 says, To have respect of persons is not good. And I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? To have respect of persons is not good. There are many who don't have a regard for the little people. I was just talking about my mom a few minutes ago with some of the ladies. And one of the, my mom's favorite stories to tell, uh, but she told it with her teeth gritted, was the time that I met Victoria Osteen. Now, if you don't know who Victoria Osteen is, uh, if you say, 
this is my Bible. Oh, never mind. So, but uh, uh, her husband, uh, Victoria Osteen, uh, uh, his wife, Victoria Osteen, I, I, I met her briefly at the St. Pete Times Forum in Tampa. You say, well, why would you have done that? Well, it was an evening with Victoria and Joel Osteen. Uh, that was the, uh, the, the evening, the event that was there. And I was there cleaning the arena after everything happened. Now, I was a youth director. I was in the ministry. Uh, but you wouldn't have known because I was wearing jeans and a polo shirt that was about eight sizes too big because that's the only one that they had for me. I was down to my knees uh, and I was walking around uh, working sanitation department. That was me. You had to go through with the tip cart. Make a hole. Make a hole. That's what you had to say. People get out of the way because they don't want to get hit with that cart. They had all the trash inside, and it was me that was pu pushing it. I was pushing a cart, and I walked past Victoria Osteen. I just happened to recognize her uh, from television, and I said to her, I said, well, hello. How are you? You know why? Not because she was Victoria Osteen, but because she was a person. I said hello to her, and she looked at me as if I was what was inside the cart that I was pushing. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of my thoughts of the theology of the Osteens and such, but I, suffice it to say, I actually found this to be kind of humorous because she didn't know that I was also in the ministry, so to speak, and that here I was, but I just looked like a sanitation worker. And to be honest, that's what I was, a sanitation worker that night. But I told my mother about this. She said, Does she know who you are? Because you're a youth director of a, you have a youth department of 60 children and all this. She kept going on. I said, Mom, it's, it's okay. It's fine. And it's one of the last memories I think I have of her is being very upset uh, about the fact that she would. Uh, and, and so, listen, I don't know maybe if she was busy. I don't know if she was, or her head was in a different place. But I know this from the look that I received, her thought was this, uh, this is who you are. But you know what? That's not who I was. And even if it was who I was, what does it matter? What does it matter? Can I tell you? I would rather hang around the people in the sanitation department than I would with some of the people sitting up in the C-suites up at the top. Uh, I would much rather sit with those people. I would say those are my kind of people. Uh, we would sit around 3 in the morning and eat what was left over in those suites uh, that was left out, uh, the hundreds of dollars worth of food and such that would be left around, and they would give it to us uh, to be able to eat. And you say, well, well what, what, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I say, we better be careful at those who we think are below us. Hey, yeah. Hey, sweetie, get me, get me a refill. Clink, 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 clink your glass. Hey, don't be, can I say it this way? Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Be a Christian. Show kindness. Say, well, she didn't fill it up fast enough. Listen, it's a pet peeve of mine too. I get it. But at the same time, what do we need to do? We need to radiate Christ. We need to radiate Christ. You might find out that that girl that you called sweetie uh, might end up being having a bad day and really need someone to show them the kindness of Christ in their life. So we better be careful. And here's Boaz who looked at the men who worked for him and it was obviously he had a high regard for them and extended the blessings of Christ. I don't think that's a stretch when we consider that Boaz is a representation of Jesus Christ, that he would have this posture. So I see this. He was aware of people. Are you aware of people? Or are you so into your own thoughts, your own things, your own feelings, that you're not even aware that there are people all around us? Sometimes we pray, Lord, send us souls. Do you realize he sends hundreds of souls your way every day? Lord, send us souls. We just have to open our eyes to see who God is sending our way. So I see the kind kinsman was aware of people, but I also see this. He was abundant in kindness. He was abundant in kindness. And again, as I mentioned before, Boaz didn't help Ruth as a way to seduce her. That would give this love story a dark undertone. Rather, he was a man whose heart 
overflowed with kindness. He asks his chief servant, he says, who is this woman? Who is she? He obviously did not recognize her as there would probably be a usual cast of characters who would come out to the field to be able to glean, to be able to take that which was left behind as was provided by the law. And he probably knew from Bethlehem, Judah, who it would be that was not necessarily quote unquote on his payroll, but who was out there to collect of the leftovers that which was provided for from God. And he looks out there and sees this beautiful woman and he says, I don't know who she is. And he looks at his chief steward and he says, who is she? And verse number six says, and the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. This tells us this, she had already had a reputation. She was already well known in the community. One, they didn't know her name, but they did know the name of Naomi. Remember, Naomi, don't call me Naomi. Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. We saw that at the end of chapter one. So Naomi had caused a ruckus in town. And although they did not know Ruth's name, they did know this. She's not from around here. And she came with Naomi. There's a story about her. There's something about her. But Boaz, when he gets this information, he shows kindness several different ways. He says several things to her. He says, first of all, don't glean somewhere else. He says, don't go anywhere else to glean. Verse number seven. Uh, and she said, I, oh, well, um, that's what uh, is reported that she said. She said, I pray, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, and that she tarried a little in the house. And then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. And so he said, don't go uh, anywhere else. Where Ruth may have thought of herself as a burden to Boaz and to others, what's the first thing that he does? He assures her, you're not a burden. I want you to stay here. I don't want you to go anywhere else. And again, even this morning illustrated to us as visitors come in, we don't think of visitors as a burden. We get excited when visitors come. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I see someone coming through the door that I don't recognize, I'm excited. If I see a car coming in the parking lot that I don't recognize, I get excited. Some of you change vehicles on me and you completely throw me off because I think it's a visitor and you get out and I'm like, ah. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. It's not that, uh, not that at all. But you understand. Uh, we get excited when there's a visitor, but some of them would feel maybe that they're being a burden to us, that you're, you're joining uh, and maybe imposing on us. And I told him, I said, no. I said, you come once and you're part of the family. He says, that's what David told me. He says, David says you're a visitor one week and your family the next. And I said, praise the Lord. You know what that is? Kindness in action. Kindness. Hey, don't, you don't have to go anywhere else. Hey, don't go to another field. Don't go to another church. We want you to come here. I never want someone to go to another church from Liberty Baptist Church say, well, I wanted to go, but no one was kind. I want to go, but nobody talked to me. I want to go, but nobody. I'm so thankful that we went to a church last week in Williamsburg that I had my arms about shook off my hand because I sat down and listen, I never, I finally got to do what you all do. Just sit down and plop and fizz. So uh, that's what some of you do. And so you sit down and kind of like, bless me now. Uh, and so that's what I was doing. I was sitting there, bless me now. And people kept coming to me and shaking my hand saying, how are you? Where are you from? And they even found out we were on vacation, wouldn't come back the next week. And they still want to talk to us. Uh, one man who came up to me afterwards and he says, I see you're from Massachusetts. Where are you from? And we said, East. And he goes, I'm from Dedham. And I said, brother, keep the faith while you're staying down here. All right, that's good. We, 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 uh, we need more people like you back up where we are. And so, uh, but it was a blessing to be able to seek kindness. Kindness. He, he said, don't glean somewhere else. But he also said this to her. He said, stay with my maidens. He said, stay with my maidens. You see what it says in verse number eight? He says, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Now the phrase, my maidens, shows 
that these were not poor women who were applying the law of reaping. What he's saying is these were women that were under his employ. And maybe it's better for me to explain it a little bit so that you understand exactly what's going on in the field. When he says that he wants you to follow by the maidens, there was an order that would take place. First, the men would go when it came to harvest, and they would typically take the sickle, and they would cut down the large stalks. And if you've ever seen grain that would grow in large stalks, that's hard, tiring work, and you need a sharp sickle. And typically, it would be the men that would just come. Listen, there were no John Deere's or anything like that. They would just come with the sickle, and they would cut, and they would take a few steps, and they would cut again. And as those sheaves fall to the ground, there would be women, there would be maidens that would follow behind. And what they would do is they would bundle these stalks together to be able to have them prepared to take to the threshing floor. Now remember, if you had the men who were cutting and then the maidens who were following behind and putting the stalks together in bundles, through that process, some grain is going to fall to the ground. And the Lord said in the books of Moses that part of the law of Moses was that once that grain falls to the ground, Boaz couldn't have some of his employ come and pick that up, scrape it up off the ground, get every last drop. No, he had to leave it there so that those who were following behind that weren't under his employ, that weren't some of his workers, could follow behind and then pick up the grain as the, if you would, welfare system available to those who didn't have anything. They had to work, and like the biblical principle says, you don't work, you don't eat. And so they had to be able to put in their own work if they were physically able and to be able to gather together. And so what does he say? His kindness was this. What I want you to do, don't hang back behind the maidens. I want you to stay close to them. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, if you stay close to the maidens, as they're bundling up the stalks, what do you have? You have first pick at the grain that's on the ground. Those other people that are following far behind, those other people that might come maybe a few hours later, a couple days later, they're not going to have the ability for the grain. But he says this, you stay close, you'll get a lot of extra grain if you stay close to my workers. Now listen, that's a small thing. But you know what? The kind person looks for the small things. The kind person looks for the small things. It's, it's the person that will, uh, will hand you a bottle of water when you didn't expect to have one. It's the person that will pay for your cup of coffee when you're expecting to pay for your own. Are they big things? No, but they're small things that make a big difference. And so here is this man who says, listen, follow behind my maidens. And the reason why he says, you'll get more grain, you'll get better grain if you stay with my workers. That's an act of kindness. He also said to her, I will protect you. Look at verse 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Now, this is interesting. He says this. He says, when you're out there, keep your eyes on the field, not on the people who are around you. Now, that might sound odd to us, but let's put a couple things together here for just a moment. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Now, remember, we've already seen that there are men and women who are out there in this field working. Could you imagine a new woman? Could you imagine a beautiful woman? Could you imagine a Moabitish woman that nobody knows out there in the field? And there are men out there. Could we just put it this way? Maybe acting like men. There were men out there that were acting like men. And then you say, is, is that the way a man's supposed to act? No, not a real man. But perhaps there were some that were giving her a hard time because she was from Moab. We know that it was well known that she was from Moab because that was the first thing that was brought up. And of course, the racial 
uh, tension that would have been between the Jews and the Moabites, maybe there were men that had been unkind to her because she was from Moab. Maybe there were men that were not right towards her because she was a beautiful woman and maybe they made some sort of pass or some sort of inappropriate talk toward her. I don't know. I don't want to read too much into what's said here, but I do know this. He says this, I've already talked to the young men. They're not going to say anything to you, so you keep your eye on the field. What does that mean? It's an act of kindness to her to say this, I will protect you. I mean, think about this. She's got her hand full of grain. She's trying to work and she's trying to do everything. She might feel self-conscious. She might not know anybody. She likely knows nobody that's out there. And then maybe someone says something to her offhand. She feels uncomfortable. And listen, we all have those times where we feel uncomfortable. We all have those times where we feel a little bit out of our, our element. I think back when I worked at the jewelry store and I typically, had, whether it was at Gordon's or Kay's, I worked with mostly women or all women at the store. And uh, when it was time for the deposit to be made at the end of the day, we'd have to go to the bank across the street and guess who they voted to make the deposit across the street every day? They voted for me. Well, I didn't mind doing that because I'll be honest with you, if I had a bag full of $10,000 as a man, and by the way, you know, this isn't archaic old stuff. This is the way men used to be. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's like the way men were taught to be back in a day. Like, wow, you're really, you're really something pastor. No, it's just kind of the way I was taught because that's a biblical thing to be able to cherish uh, women and to be able to. And so I would take the $10,000 in cash in a bag and walk across the street in Oklahoma City and make the deposit in the night depository. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I heard footsteps. You say, were there any footsteps? I don't know, but I heard them. You know what? I felt uncomfortable. All I could do was keep that as close as I could, and all I could do is keep my eye on that depository box, put it in, and I was out of there, man. I didn't want to be anywhere close by because we've all been in situations where we feel uncomfortable, maybe even unsafe. That's probably how she felt. Here she is in a land where all she's been told her whole life, these Jews hate you. By the way, there's a lot of that still in the Middle East today. There's a lot of that indoctrination about the Jews even today. Uh, about their, but, but you say, no, these Jews hate you. And she's out there. She already feels uncomfortable. Maybe there was a young man or young men who accosted her or said something to her unkind to her. And he says this, keep your eye on the fields. I'll take care of everything else. That's a big deal. That he would notice that she had that type of feeling. That she noticed that he noticed she had that type of fear. I will protect you. But he also said this, not just stay with my maidens. I will protect you. I will, um, uh, don't glean somewhere else. But he says this, I will provide for you. Look at verse number nine. It, if we get to the end of it, it says, and when there are thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Listen, the law did not require that he also gave her water to drink. The law just required that he made the fields available. He says this, this is hot, dusty work out here. If you need something to drink, you just ask my men and we'll provide for you. Look at verse number 14. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. She wasn't a reaper, but he brought her to the table to sit beside the reapers. And he reached her parched corn and she did eat and was sufficed and left. What does he do? He provided for her in a way that she could not provide for herself. By the way, later on, he's going to give her far more grain than she ever could have collected by herself. What is that? That's a picture of the grace of God 
in her life, which is what our kinsman gives to us every day, Christ, providing for us grace that we don't deserve, but gives it to us. And he says, listen, my kindness requires me to be able to provide for you greater than what the law requires. And isn't that what kindness is? Listen, sometimes we think we're kind if we don't say something rude to someone who's been rude to us. That's not kindness. That's just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, I was kind to them. Why? Well, <laughs> they cut me off and I didn't say what I thought I wanted to say. Well, good. You were being a Christian. That's not being kind. That's just not doing something your flesh wants to do. Uh, kindness is to follow them into the Dunkin' Donuts, not to try to slash their tires, but to pay for their coffee. Now, by the way, don't follow someone after that because they'll probably call the cops and thinking you're angry at them. Oh, we're just trying to pay for their coffee, sir. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, that, uh, no, really, officer. But uh, no, what do we do? Kindness says, I'm going to go above and beyond. Kindness says, this is what I have to do, but this is what I want to do. And so he was a man who was kind. So, so what do we see? Uh, we, we see that he treated her as one of his own. She was not one of his own, but yet his kindness had him treat her as if she was one of his own. And what makes Boaz so remarkable, as I just mentioned, is that none of what he did was required by the law. Remember, all that was necessary was that he kept the corners of the field open and that he didn't pick up anything that fell to the ground. That was all that was required. By the way, that was very progressive for that time. For a nation to make that type of welfare agreement with those that had nothing, God, in His grace, well, God's so angry in the Old Testament. Well, it seems to me like He was pretty benevolent and kind to me uh, from what I see. But Boaz says, okay, Lord, I see what you say I have to do, but I'm going to go over and above for this woman who has a need. Kindness is not simply doing what is asked of you. Uh, be not being rude is not kindness. Uh, kindness is not doing the least amount for someone else. Kindness is finding a way to show Jesus Christ to the world. Kindness is finding a way to show Jesus Christ to someone you love. Kindness is finding a way to show Jesus Christ to those in your church in a way that's not required of you, but you do it just because you want to do it to show the love of Christ. Why be kind? Because God is kind. Why do we be kind? Because God is kind. Can I give you a few verses? Isaiah 54, verse 8. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. I'm thankful for the kindness, the everlasting kindness of our Father. Jonah 4, verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah says, I ran from you, God, and the reason why was because you're too kind. Let me just think about that for a second. I ran from you, God, and your call because I just knew you were going to be too kind to the people of Nineveh. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, listen, uh, the kindness and love of our Savior appeared 
in that we can receive salvation. The kindness and love of God appeared to these two young people today to, in the, the act of salvation that was brought unto them by opening their hearts to the gospel message. If you don't know if God is kind or not, the fact that there are two more souls who will be spending an eternity in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did is an ultimate showing of God's kindness. So what do we do? Well, Ephesians 4, verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. Colossians 3, 12, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Here's what I fear when I look at the world. Although the world is certainly a very angry, and the world is certainly a very ugly place in many ways. I'm afraid that sometimes we see more random acts of kindness in the world than we do within our churches. Now, I'm not talking about by and large, because if you look at the world by and large, what do we see? We see a place that has been infiltrated by their father, the devil. That's what we see in the world. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And I mean infiltrated down to the deepest depths. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But I will say there are people who are in the world who are very kind people, yet do not know that kindness is not a gift that emanates from the world, but actually is one that comes from God above. And what I fear oftentimes is that even within churches, the attitude is this, that what is radiated is more of an anger or a bitterness that the world often has, and yet not the kindness that Jesus Christ has had toward us. And oftentimes people can find more kind people in the world than they can in the church. Say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, I'm not asking you to believe it or not. I'm just telling you that out of billions and billions of people, you'll find a few kind people. And you can go to churches and you're lucky if you find a kind person. Especially if it's a church that doesn't preach and teach correctly. But what should we say about a church like ours? We should be the kindest people in Easton. There should be no kinder people than the people at Liberty Baptist Church. Well, I'd get run over if I was kind. Oh, you mean like Jesus did? Because it doesn't seem like me that Jesus got run over a whole lot. Well, he didn't get run over at all. But what did he do? He was the example of kindness. You know what I think of when I think of the kindness of Christ? I think of a woman that's brought in adultery in the very act. And you and I both know if she was brought in adultery in the very act, that meant there should have been another party that was also brought in the very act. But she was brought as a way to try to entrap Christ at that moment. Listen, <laughs> you're trying to trap Christ? You want to talk about a fool's errand. Uh, a fool's errand uh, is actually, uh, would be better than trying to fool Jesus Christ. And, and so they bring her in. And what does he do? I don't know about you. I'd love to know what he was writing. I mean, I, that's one of the first questions I'll have when I get to heaven. What was he writing? What was he writing in the ground? All I know is this. The Bible says from the eldest to the youngest, the stone started to drop. They would have been in what was called the, the hall of polished stones. And I could just imagine as stones dropped, the echo, the sound, the sound of mercy. One after another. And as he looked at that woman with kindness, what did he say? Go and sin no more. What did he say? He, no, he didn't say, ah, just do whatever you want. 
No, he spoke truth to her. He spoke truth to her. But he says, go and sin no more. I have to think that her life was forever changed. I have to think her life was forever changed. Why? Because Jesus was kind. Jesus was kind on the cross. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. I don't know about you. If I have a hangnail, I don't think about anybody else. You know why? Because I'm a guy. That's what we do. Peyton, what are you laughing at? So, uh, but, so it's a little exaggeration, but here is Jesus on the cross, the kindness of Christ, to look at his mother and to make sure that she was taken care of while he was bearing the sins of all the world for all time. It's kindness. And we think it's soft or we think that it makes us weak. It's actually something that makes us most like Christ. Let me give you this story and I'm going to be done. There's a new story that I have right here from several years ago in Norton, believe it or not, at Norton High School. There was a young man, a senior on the wrestling team at Norton High. His name was Andy Howland. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. His uh, name was not Andy Howland. He was wrestling against Andy Howland. The uh, young man's uh, uh, name was, uh, oh, Devin Shuko. Devin Shuko, the senior captain of the wrestling team was 27 and 0 for the year ready to go to states ready to be able to win he's undefeated for the year uh, he went against special needs wrestler Andy Howland 21 years old he said 21 years old I understand in the state of Massachusetts that in certain situations a child even like AJ would be able to go through the public school system until the age of 22 Andy loved to wrestle and according to this story from the Sun Chronicle in Attleboro, uh, Andy wanted to wrestle in this match. And they looked for volunteers. Now, this wasn't an exhibition. This was an officially sanctioned match. And this 27-0 wrestler, the senior captain, says, I'll wrestle him. And he's strong, this young man. I, 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 there's no doubt that he was, but that he didn't have the technique and the ab abilities to be able to do so. But the senior captain ensured that he was pinned and lost his undefeated streak as a senior to make sure that this young man, 21 years old with special needs, that was about to retire from his wrestling career, got a win under his belt. Kindness. You know what that is? Kindness. Did he have to do that? No, I, I would love to meet this, this young man. He's in his mid-20s now that did this. Kindness. You say, well, what good, what good did that do? We're still talking about it. You know, that one person that you're kind to, they could tell that story for the rest of their life. The rest of their life. And if you're able to radiate Christ, what's the indelible impression you put on their life? Not of that guy. Not of that woman. It would be that Christian. And even if they ask you, why would you do that? No, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I just want to be able to show you the love of Christ today. Say, people don't say that. Oh, I've witnessed people say that. And it'll make a difference. But Jesus said there was a woman that broke an alabaster box and put it on her feet, put it on his feet, anointed him to his death. And the amount of that box was a year's wages. 
well, what's the reason for this waste? Some said, including Judas. And he said this, people will speak about this act of kindness for the rest of time. And we're still preaching about it. And we're still talking about it. And we think kindness is weak. If the kind kinsman, Boaz, could show kindness in very small but tangible ways, what excuse do we have in our day-to-day life to not be the same? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.